0: Hello, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America, featuring today's top directors sharing behind the scenes stories of their latest films and insights into the craft of directing. Please take a second to subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. This episode takes us behind the scenes of director Lorreen Scafaria's new drama, Hustlers. Inspired by a true story, the film stars Jennifer Lopez and Constance Wu as two former strip club employees who join forces to turn the tables on their Wall Street clients. In addition to Hustlers, Ms. Scafaria's credits include the feature films Seeking a Friend for the End of the World and The Meddler, movies for television This is Heaven and Love is Dead, and episodes of the series Surviving Jack and New Girl. Following a recent screening of the film at the Harmony Gold Theater in Los Angeles, Ms. Scafaria spoke with director Adam McKay about filming Hustlers. During their conversation, she discusses using what she terms godmother lighting to evoke the gangster films of the past, finding opportunities within production design and wardrobe to make the film more heightened or realistic, and why she always knew Jennifer Lopez was the perfect actor to bring Ramona to life. Please note, Ms. Scafaria is joined by Mr. McKay after a slight delay, She opens the discussion by taking a question from the audience. Hi. (laughs)
1: Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for being here. Um, I think Adam's first question for me would be, how did you do it? Um, I don't know. Uh, Does anyone want to ask a question from the audience? Yes. Yeah. Oh, uh, the, yes. Uh, the question was about Ramona's justification for why they did what they did, her speech in the diner, let's say, talking about the Wall Street guys. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's Ramona's justification for it. Um, I think we all know the difference between right and wrong, and obviously when um, when uh, they sort of cross that point of no return. Um, uh, yeah, uh, for me, it was... It was meant to be a, a story about different values, these two friends who have these different values, this kind of friendship that is so alluring that someone like Ramona could make this justification, make something very wild and criminal uh, sound almost, almost reasonable. Uh, so Destiny, I think, approaches it in a different way. Place. We certainly hear Elizabeth, the Julia Stiles character, express her feelings about it. So, um, for me, I just wanted to leave it more up to the audience to to watch the story of what happened um, and make those own, you know, their own decisions whether or not these justifications sounded right. I, I was in a screening where people applauded at that moment. I, I certainly never expected uh, that necessarily because. Um, you know, Ramona's, a, a, in another way, an anti-hero. So um, I, I think it's really up to the audience to decide and obviously it's an individual thing, so. No. Oh, sure, oh, uh, please welcome Adam McKay to the stage.
2: What is that It's crazy. We were like sitting in the
1: parking lot. It's LA, it's fine. Oh my
2: God, I apologize. Hi, everyone.
1: I've been, uh, I've been making it work. Don't worry about it. Right? We
2: have our little Dan and Waters there?
1: <laughs> yes, please. Um, I was just answering a question about uh, the article, which you're here now to yes. receive this compliment because the article was sent to me by this man and uh, his production company, um, uh, Gloria Sanchez, uh, Jessica Elbaum. That's right. That's um, right and so uh i was lucky enough to read that in the summer of 2016 a different time
2: long ago was wow
1: yeah uh and then it was really just a writing assignment at the time so it wasn't a directing gig um but i was interested in it from you know the ground up i thought it was incredibly well written story touched on so many themes i wanted to talk about Um, and yeah, it certainly inspired, um, all of that. I wish I had a chance to talk to the real girls at the time. I mean, I'm sure the truth is stranger than fiction. So, um, I wish I had that opportunity, but you know, corporations, crimes, things got in the way (laughs) (laughs) of doing that. Um, but I've spoken to them since, or at least a, a, a couple of them since they're obviously on the other side of this kind of leading normal lives, very reflective about this. Rosie, who um, inspired the Destiny character, has a book out now, if anyone wants to read it, The Sophisticated Hustler. Um, Are you
2: serious? Really?
1: Hell yeah. I think they all have books coming out, so of course I really they would. Do. Of course they do. <laughs> I really would. Uh, yeah. If you want the fuller picture, there's probably three or four books to So read. I
2: apologize for, I think I'm late, right? Uh, I can't believe it. But,
1: L.A. Um, early. L.A. early.
2: L.A. early. Um <laughs> I have some questions. First off, can we give it up for Lorreen Scafaria oh, for nice. an amazing, amazing movie? Congratulations. Coming off an incredible weekend. Thank you. Uh, so I obviously went through a little bit of this with Laureen. So my big question to start with, with Laureen, is why this movie? Uh, you've written a lot of scripts. You've directed movies. Uh, we saw with this movie that it was at one studio, it went to another, you had to rewrite it over. It was really hard to get this made. And why did you hang in there with this specific story?
1: Uh, yeah, like I had said, it I touched on all these themes I was really excited to talk about. Um, gender as it relates to the economy. Someone
2: already asked this question no, before no, I showed no, up. No, no,
1: not at all. No, no, I, I didn't get to, to uh, go further with it, but no, those, those were the themes. Um, yeah, gender, uh, as it relates to capitalism, certainly, um, uh, I thought it was a world we have seen a lot of in other TV shows and movies and are seen in a strip club, at least in everything ever, um, uh, including your work, and um
2: I've <laughs> had a strip club in New York? I can't you remember.
1: remember Steve Carell? Oh, uh, it's a great scene actually it's amazing scene but to hear the dancer talking about her real estate during that scene was incredible um but yeah no I, I really wanted to show it from the dancer's perspectives and and and, and see the world through their eyes and and um, and kind of talk about the value system and the, that's a little bit broken um between men and women and what we're, what we're valued for.
2: <laughs> was there a moment when you were writing the script, when you were working on it, where you wrote something and you knew I have to direct this?
1: I Yeah. I mean, it was probably like, uh, there were a lot of song choices in the script. About 80% of the songs that ended up in the movie were in the script. So the Chopin pieces that play throughout were, um, that scenes that I or the sound of the the movie in a way, so it, it felt very much like um, I, I mean, honestly the the first scene that I wrote was that fur coat scene up on the rooftop, and I felt like I wanted to direct it right away and I just want to give him credit um, because uh, I, you know it was a writing assignment i was I was not uh, the first choice to direct the movie necessarily um. But I remember uh, it was being sent to Scorsese, who's great. Um, and uh, <laughs> I love his work. I wish, uh, you know, uh, that would have been cool too. So, um, but it was sent to Scorsese. And I remember Adam knew how much I wanted to direct this right out of the gate. I was raising my hand. and. Um, and I remember you saying I, I hope Scorsese passes
2: yes and he yes. did
1: um, <laughs> but that was very kind and and um, no, it
2: wasn't uh, it wasn't kind. It was really apparent right from the beginning with the script that there was a rhythm, there was a style that you were completely enmeshed with and you know it, the the original idea for the project was that it would be a Scorsese movie but from the perspective of the strippers who were behind the mobsters. And little did we know that Lorene was the person to pull that off. And what I wanna ask you, and one of the more impressive things with this movie that you pulled off was somehow it's an entire movie about incredibly beautiful people taking their clothes off yet it never feels exploitative. And I wanted to ask you about how you approach that, that your characters are always in control, that there's always a dignity to your characters.
1: Yeah. I mean, the theme of control that runs through the movie, we we just applied that to the camera as well. So there are certainly scenes where characters feel out of control. And then there are certain scenes where characters are fully in control and one like Ramona's entrance and Ramona's dance was one where I think Ramona was in total control of where the camera went and every cut that we made. Um, So it wasn't that hard once telling the story from their point of view um, to walk in their shoes and, and um, but it was also an approach to it, like a sports movie. We, we, we wanted to highlight the athleticism of it, the strength and power in it. Um, certainly there were certain uh choices made stylistically that that helped in in that way just sort of the large format um it gave it that like larger than life quality to it so um yeah there it, we just wanted to really show the the power and the strength uh, that that it also takes and
2: it's it's actually really incredible and did you guys get into when you were talking with uh todd your dp todd ben hazel who's incredible uh yes yes, please (laughs) yes how How technical did you get with the idea that these women would have strength and have foundation as character? Like, were you talking about, like, the angle of the singles, or... I'm just curious. Yeah, everything.
1: Just gangster lighting sometimes, godmother lighting, we'd call it, like that harsh top light or that harsh backlight, and um, uh, low angles, like, things that I think women over 25 aren't shot in. Um, So... uh, yeah, I mean, you know, shooting close-ups in 8K, like you know, being able to use that the DXL2, which let us modify resolutions, like depending on again, with what kind of control or power we're we're you know supposed to feel during that scene. Um, that yeah, it was it was we shot listed everything ahead of time. We we shot in 29 days, so we didn't have. Uh, uh, any time <laughs>
0: 29
2: days yeah yeah. I, no, it, it looks like a movie that you would be like oh that's 44 that's like 38 I couldn't believe it when Todd told me that it was like yeah, blown we away
1: running the whole time and and uh, and yeah the the prep and it really I mean it takes someone like Todd and this like New York crew and the AD department was insane um so uh yeah it, it it wouldn't have happened without that group of people and the kind of dedication and Saturdays and Sundays of doing homework and everything and yeah.
2: So, you know, the other thing that's really remarkable about the movie is that I I feel like you take no shots off. Like, there's no scene where you're like, all right, it's a single, it's a medium, like... Every single shot in the movie has, like, a life to it. And when I hear that it was 29 days like this, I I just can't believe it. So I'm curious when we talk about Todd Ben Hazel and you, who is a guy that uh, Lorene brought to this movie. I hadn't heard of Todd. And Lorene was like, this has to be my DP. And, boy, was she right. I'm curious what your conversations were like when you guys were talking about each day when you were shot-listing. Uh, I mean, did you know that it was gonna be a mammoth undertaking or were you just like, let's just go for it or was it long lens and hope and pray or was every single shot worked out?
1: Uh, it honestly was, every single shot was worked out. We certainly left room for, um, to spontaneity and to be surprised. There were moments where Todd and I were banging our heads against the wall on set, trying to figure something out. We'd walk away and come back and the operators had solved it and we'd go great. (laughs) So, uh, it takes a village, but, um, Todd and I, um, I think because of the ups and downs and the, the the studio switch there were were nine months where Todd and I were in like soft prep along with Mitchell Travers the costume designer and Kayla Emter my editor who edited my last film and um will I'll work with her forever along with Todd and Mitchell um but we had a long lead so we went and saw movies and and went to museums and, uh, and and exhibits and and looked at photography and what did
2: you look at when you were doing that process i mean i we're at the dga so everyone knows that part of the process is really important where you look at visual references where you kind of get inspired i'm curious what you like were like the looking
1: photography at- of like barbara nicky who we actually ended up getting as our stills photographer on set she's um known for um, filming in this this world and in this community. And it's that kind of gritty glamor that um, was really exciting to, to find, Nan Golden. I mean, we, we, we just looked at a lot of, um, we, were, we wanted to, to show something glamorous that felt a little bit heightened. Um, our rules were sort of that, you know, the production design is where the realism had to be found. And the wardrobe we could make as heightened as we wanted because it was this period piece that we were trying to capture, and the camera depended, uh, depending on a scene, would kind of dip its toe in in one or the other, and so. Um, it was just such a long process. Todd also comes from the music video world, where I mean, he shot those Janelle Monet videos that make make you, you feel like I, I I can't make me feel, make me feel. Oh God, I'm old. Um, I can't even reference it. Uh, cool, but he um, when I saw those music videos. I was like, who is the woman who shot these? And, and, and it ended up being Todd. And so, um, and Mitchell Travers, our costume designer had worked with him previously and talked to to me about him. So as soon as I met him, he, he, it's his entire philosophy. I mean, he, he just wants to shoot women and with power. And so, we spoke so much about the lighting, the color palette, the, the, the ways in which we would approach the club, again, the athleticism. We watched sports movies. We watched gangster films. We watched friendship stories, um, the kinds of friendship stories with those great power dynamics between like a mentor and a mentee. Um, and, and so, yeah, uh, we, we just had so much, uh, conversation ahead of time and then found so much of that on set again, with just that flexibility of being able to change the resolution, depending on something we would, we would just find a little bit more of that language when we were there on set, but certainly knew, you know, going into every scene, what we wanted because we didn't have the luxury of time, obviously, um, other scenes that we wanted to step out, scenes like the locker room where we wanted to keep it fluid and and, and get that kind of, you know, 70s feel out of it and let everybody talk over each other. And um, so it depended on what the scene called for, uh, who was in it, how much of it we knew would be scripted or not, um, and something like Jennifer's dance. I mean, that was something that Todd and I didn't see until two weeks before we shot it. Um, Uh, in the script, I wrote, Ramona does one final flourish. (laughs) And then when you get Jennifer Lopez on board, it's going to be a lot more than a flourish. So, um, so then, you know, we, I I played her this, this song and then she choreographed this, this number to it, along with Johanna Sapaki, our pole choreographer. And, and then Todd and I watched it and of course then it took a, an hour to get our jaws off the ground and then <laughs> and then we spoke about you know how we wanted to cover it and how we wanted to feel like we're in Destiny's perspective but we're also in Ramona's perspective of what it feels like to be on stage and get that kind of specific attention and and then also what it feels like to be manipulated by her yeah. just the same way that the audience is and 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 have her just uh, you know, put us in in our seats and, and, and for her to be in control. So that theme of control was really what, what Todd and I it's, spoke about a lot.
2: And that was the first draft. Your first thought on the entire movie was the control Janet Jackson line at the beginning, right? right. I, I, was yes. that in every single... You know, yes. version of this movie that was always there, right?
1: Yeah, it said Janet Jackson voiceover, <laughs> so yeah, it was yeah. always it was always meant to be her her first. Well,
2: I, her first the word. other name that always came up from the beginning was Lopez. Was uh, right from the beginning, you were saying she would be perfect, and you knew something yeah. we did not know because we were yeah. like, yeah, Lopez is incredible, and she's great but you know, look at some other people and Lorreen was like, no, 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 <laughs> this is it. And I'm curious why you clearly were right. Uh, but why, why did you have that feeling from the beginning? I mean, it was kind of a dual thing. It was, she's right for this role, but she also symbolizes something even bigger than the role.
1: Yeah. I mean, she's obviously an icon of New York an icon of the aughts. So there's a little bit of fun and like a little bit of a wink and a nod to who she was, what her influence was on the culture. We like to think Ramona's style icon was Jennifer Lopez. So um, we certainly had some fun there. But yeah, from the moment that I met her, we talked about, again, all the same themes, the things that we were excited to talk about. She felt like, you know, she she knows these girls. She knows these guys. Um, but it I didn't write it with her in mind. I mean, I, I didn't write it with anyone in mind. It wasn't until opening up the script again and trying to think of, you know, who is this that it was, like, the most obvious thing that's ever uh, happened for me. It just slapped me in the face. It felt like her voice was on the page. Um, she just has those qualities that Ramona has, which is just she's the, she's warm and maternal, but she's also cool and tough and sexy. Yeah. And, um, and for me, she just has chops. She always has you can go back and watch any one of her performances and certainly dating back to Selena and U-Turn and Out of Sight, but Shades of Blue, El Cantante, she just doesn't have a false note in any of those uh, roles. And, and I was so excited to see her in a supporting role because, of course, I think, you know, we've gotten used to seeing her as the as the, the lead of the film. And, of course, it's kind of a movie about Ramona, but still from Destiny's point of view. So that was exciting. Um but it was also exciting to see her in something dangerous. That was what I was really thrilled about. Was because you know I've been, certainly enjoyed her lighter fare over the years, but I was really excited about showing that that side of Jennifer Lopez that maybe people think they've seen. And you know, in a but in a way, it yeah, it, it just kind of fits her like a glove.
2: Yeah, it's uh, incredible, incredible choice. And kudos to you for like very uh. early on seeing <laughs> it. Um, Let me just ask you a generic question here, but what was your high point of the production? What was your low point?
1: I mean, it was funny when we were making the movie and we had like a seven-week prep and 29-day shoot and a post-schedule that's illegal, I think. (laughs) Um, uh, But uh, I don't know. When people said like, how hard is this? You know, are, are you holding up okay? And for me, I would always say like, it was so much harder not making this movie than making it, like, that, that was the hardest part, honestly, were those years and, and those, at least those months where we were trying to have people see it the same way that we all saw it, that were working on it. Um, you know, Jessica Elbaum and I uh, talked to a lot of people who were not so sure about a movie about strippers, and i I, I felt very um sad for the community and I I felt like that their stories were telling I felt like this was a marginalized group of people who faced such a stigma that it didn't just make me sad for the movie itself and for me and obviously what I wanted for myself but for for these characters to be judged not for where they ended up but for where they started from that was really hard for me and we took it out uh you know it it of course had a, a a a couple of deaths and then a, a, a rebirth, and, but in between that, we we took it around and it was the week of the Kavanaugh hearings when husbands and wives weren't talking to each other, so it was really tough to bring this idea, this not black and white idea, um, into rooms and talk about it and hear notes and thoughts and whatnot, and um, and so it wasn't you know until STX who really got it and and um, you know championed it and supported it and you know it's still I I rebroke the script a couple of times cuz I just wanted to challenge myself at that point because it had gone through so many different phases and um, and so you know there were there were a lot of there were a lot of those moments and when I, I remember when I handed in the script finally I thought well bye hustlers bye <laughs> I was so sad thinking it was over and that it was just like my final hurrah and um and then they greenlit it the next day but um yeah the, i mean the that that was a low point that lasted for a very long amount of time. I remember that the movie yeah. first fell apart the day before my 40th birthday, so that was like an existential crisis <laughs> times 10. <laughs> um, and then the high point—I don't know—Usher showing up, um, yeah. probably. That's
2: all you need to say. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was a pretty great day, and yeah.
2: That's pretty awesome. And Jen's
1: um, dance was a, a, a my on my birthday a year later, so it was a very wild, you know full circle kind of moment.
2: I thought one of the craziest things was that, you know, everyone when they would read this story would have a problem with the dancers drugging people. It was really hard for people to kind of get their heads around. They're not likable. And you never wavered on that the entire time. It would have been very easy to rewrite the script to direct it differently but you always the entire time went right at that and talk about why you were so certain on that
1: it just seems so wrong to me to water down the crimes themselves It, it felt irresponsible and not right and so i i wanted to stay true to the crimes themselves the punishment um the the um you know, I certainly wanted to tell a fuller story about it, and and test people's own sort of feelings about that, and see see what what side of the line they they end up falling on. And um, but, um, yeah, it, uh, it I was asked a lot of to do a lot of things to the characters and uh, to change that. I mean, likability is something that. Uh, is often it's the worst for, word
2: ever when you're trying to do something yeah. is likability is, is always like, Oh shit, and here it's, we go.
1: It's kind of like a little bit more reserved for female characters as well. And so women doing bad things is, is a hard genre to get made, um, I, I think, think
2: in Goodfellas, they knife a guy in the back of the trunk of a yeah, car out of the, and no one blinked. No, and,
1: uh, they might blink, but they yeah, I mean, that's yeah, it. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, yeah, it was, it was, that was hard. It was hard to sort of hear, like, are they good enough moms? Um, and questions that I don't think you'd hear uh, for, you know, male characters. And so, um Yeah, it just felt like that was the story. That is what happened. The hardest part for me was not wanting to um, uh, say that all strippers are thieves. Obviously, felt like that was an important distinction to make, and yet um, to show the slippery slope. You know, to show when survival turns to greed, to show the desperation, to show again, like you know, you got mouths to feed. it's a pretty broken value system where women are valued for their beauty and their bodies, whether that's for sex and motherhood and men are valued for their money and success and power. And so for me, it was really a chance to talk about that trickle down effect and what, what that does and how that seeps into all other areas of culture and how there are thousands of years of stuff before this one story takes place and 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 even after the world keeps turning and the clubs, um, you know, still exist. And I just didn't want to, I didn't want to take it out on a gender or a job. I don't judge what these women do for a living, um, strippers, sex workers. Uh, I also don't judge the men that walk into these clubs. Um, and, you know, I think there's still, it's like there's a, just a cosmic joke that I was hoping we we're all in on <laughs> because, um I didn't want to make fun of anyone in that way. I kind of wanted us to, you know, enjoy watching what men can do, what women can do, what, what, uh, what game we're all kind of participating in, and um, yeah. But I, it, 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 I, I didn't feel like I needed to uh, change anything about what the men did. There was certainly a, a push for that kind of very typical revenge story. Um, or 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 a typical female empowerment story. I've, I've been sent scripts about female empowerment since it became a genre in 2015, and so um, um, and none of them felt very organic um, or an organic way to talk about women and and talk about power and talk about how just because we're empowered doesn't mean we're in control, and so. So I, I, I wanted to speak to all of that, but through characters that very much had to be women, not just male characters that you could cross the names off and you know change the names. It, it felt very much like, I wanna talk about really what it's like. And I felt like these characters were immediately relatable to me. Um I have friends who were strippers after high school, after college, uh, paying off student loans. I worked in a boiler room when I was 17, so I was around those guys also. Really? Just answering phones. <laughs> Wait a minute.
2: Wait a minute. Really? Yeah. In Jersey?
1: In uh Jersey off off Wall Street, I'd call it. Um <laughs> uh yeah, in like northern New Jersey. Oh it was just God. a room full of phones where where guys were uh just selling bad stocks to old people and I, there was one guy who was on his headset for six months, not talking to anyone. He was losing his mind. Um, this was the 90s. Oh,
2: my God. <laughs> yeah. Wow.
1: So, I mean, it's it, it It was part of the reason I wanted to tell this very recent period piece, as I, I know you have also done, and, and it, to just say, like, yeah, if you want to talk about how, how did we get here, you can kind of just look over your shoulder, <laughs> so...
2: Well, I uh, absolutely am in awe of what you did with this. Uh, I I really think the layers of thought and character work and and not to mention your tenaciousness with really hanging with this story just blew me away. Thank you. And then to see it land like this weekend uh, the way it just did was really incredible. I'm spoiled because I got to see all this happen from up close, but I, I really think... Laureen, obviously, we've known as a talent for a long, long time. But with this movie, I, I just think she really exploded in, in a really personal way. And I have been thrilled every second of the way to, to see this happen. So one last round of applause. Thank for you. Lorene Thank you
1: all. Thank you, Adam. Thank, Thank
2: you very
0: much. Thanks for watching. Thanks, working. everyone. Appreciate Thanks. it. Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. If you'd like to hear more. You can find past episodes of The Director's Cut wherever you listen to podcasts. Stay tuned in the coming weeks for more great Q&As, and be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us. We'd love to hear your feedback, and you can help fellow cinephiles find the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally.